2: You're in the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and sexuality for our community. Good evening, faithful listeners. Welcome to the Spirit Lounge. And it's Claudine here with, once again, with Mark and Rachel. And thanks to the gang from Stand Up Straight, Stephanie, Clayton and Rebecca. I was enjoying listening to their little um, Straight Allies Queer Quiz just before. Some, I think I learned a few things as well, so educational for all. I certainly learned a few things from it. And Mark? Is not commenting? <laughs> yeah, Mark maybe learned some things. Mark was focused <laughs> on
1: other things, really.
2: Well, well, we'll be learning a lot from Mark tonight. He's brought... Uh, He's brought a show and tell kit again, and no we'll we'll be hearing about the 15 different stages in the Passover Seder, but before that, we have some recent news.
0: We sure do. I was just going to uh, look up the mayor of Chicago's name, because for some reason, it doesn't actually tell me. No, that's... That's not the one that this news article is about. Anyway. We're talking about Chicago. We are talking about Chicago. So the mayor of Chicago, who is a key ally of Barack Obama, has extended an invitation to businesses based in North Carolina to move to his city instead. Uh, So earlier this month, the state of North Carolina passed a law which voids all local ordinances. Uh, protecting LGBT rights as well as permitting businesses to discriminate against LGBT people on the grounds of religious belief. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago and there's, like, big debacles around it, but, yeah, now the law has passed. So the new law, uh, which was signed into law by Republican Governor Pat McCrory, uh, also bans transgender students in public schools from using their preferred
2: bathroom. So... It's a pretty nasty situation. Doesn't that apply to transgender people across the state, not just in schools? I
0: I think it definitely does. Um, I think that there was just a big uh, uproar around the schools uh, part of it. Uh, so. Um, McCrory's decision has attracted a legal challenge as well as a growing boycott of the state uh, with New York City, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston uh, and new york state all cutting formal ties with this state in protest uh through a travel ban so people aren't going to north carolina anymore out of protest uh we talked about i think we talked about there's a lot of musicians who are boycotting the state of north carolina so they had had tours booked in to that state and have pulled out so people in north carolina are really missing out so the mayor of chicago is uh Sending an invite for for North Carolinians to to come to Chicago instead. Oh, it is it is Ram, Ram Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yes, so uh, he has gone one step further, adding that he will personally help North Carolina's business community, which was over overwhelmingly opposing the law to relocate. Uh, so he's a key ally of Barack Obama and the Clintons and previously served as uh, Obama's chief of staff. And he has firmly nailed his flag to the mast on the issue this week. So I think that's a pretty cool uh, thing for him to do. It's good. We've, like, you know, every country needs a state with someone who's um, sticking up for for us uh, small folk and i think uh,
2: australia this week has has gotten a pretty pretty good deal with daniel andrews as well victoria's got a good deal yes leading the way again with our new pride center being announced
0: yeah it's great news i'm i'm not political i don't i don't really follow politics but i do find things like that really heartwarming and you know maybe would sway my vote if uh if, I'd, if I had to vote again?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, you'll have to vote again. I oh, know, eventually, but not yet. When, When's the next election? 2nd of July, probably. Wait, Shh. this year? Yeah. What? You see, you may not follow politics, but politics follows you. What? Sorry, I've been waiting all day to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Do we have any more news today? Nothing, nothing is uplifting, so... Oh, that's all right. Unless... Uh, unless, um... Mark does? No, I, think I don't. Mark's just been, been preparing for for, uh, for his great feast this week.
1: Well, it's, it, look, there's no pressure on me this week to prepare a great feast, is there? Um, but we probably should. We'll, we'll go onto our holy day of the week. Do we have a song, or are you going to sing for us again, Rachel? <laughs> Alright. Are you ready for a miracle? Well there was a miracle. We got the the song to play. We sure did. So that was a bit of a miracle. So we are gonna we are we are having a whole show today talking about the holy day of the week. It's actually not a holy day, it's a holy week or actually it's a holy week plus one, so it's eight days.
2: It's a holy eight days of the week.
1: Yeah, it I've is. I've
2: got all the jokes tonight. I don't get it. Don't worry. <laughs> you're you're too young. <laughs> Okay.
1: So obviously we're talking we're talking about obviously. No, we are talking about Pesach or Passover, so it's the Jewish festival of Passover which starts on Friday night at exactly 5:26 p.m.
0: Okay, is there a reason why it's exactly 5:26 p.m.?
1: It's to do with the alignment of it's to do with the visibility of stars in the Melbourne sky. So oh. in Melbourne on 5 at 5:26 p.m. we will start Pesach and it will go for 8 Nights and eight days So it
2: start, starts at a different time Everywhere, depending on where you are It's That's right. very yep. geographically specific
1: It is very geographically specific yep.
2: Does that mean it ends at 5.26pm
0: Eight days later?
1: No, because oh. it's to do with visibility Of stars in the sky which moves around
0: Oh, so eight days later it might
1: Could be, be earlier different. Could be earlier Yeah. Oh so anyhow, God. not to worry I bet um, there's
2: a website that tells you all the times
1: there's a website. There are numerous email lists. There's apps. There's the whole works. Oh, of you course can, your app. <laughs> of course, you could have an app to tell you when the when the candle should be lit. So we're talking about Pesach. Um, so what is Pesach about? Now, if you the, the quick way to find out about Pesach is watch The Prince of Egypt, the movie, because that, that's a Pesach story.
0: I, I say this every time, that's one of my favourite movies.
1: So you can do it through Disney, I think it was a Disney release, and yep. um, that, that'll tell you the story quite nicely, a bit of fun, a nice cartoons, sing along, all that sort of stuff. So it is the celebration of the exodus of the Hebrews out of slavery in Egypt. Um, it begins the 40 years of wandering around in the desert, a bit lost, being led by Moses up the garden path, if you like, but uh, certainly 40 years wandering around. So... That's that's the basic story. We all sort of a lot of people will know the story. It's the parting of the Red Sea, or the Reed Sea is more accurate. Um, it talks about the ten plagues. So the ten plagues brought upon Egypt because the Pharaoh wouldn't allow Moses to leave the Hebrews out of Egypt and mm-hmm. escape slavery. So it's all that sort of stuff done. If that's what we celebrate, that's what's all about. So uh, there's a few. There's lots and lots of rules. It's quite um, complicated to navigate your way around. The Jewish law and Pesach, it's probably a little bit more complicated than most other, in fact all other holy, holy uh, I can't talk now, high holy days or just the holy days in general, because there are lots of different rules.
2: So is this the holiest day in Judaism, holiest feast in Judaism?
1: No. So it's, just, it, look, uh, it it's either, you can, depends on how you want to categorise it, so it's either the second or the third, depending on whether you clump... Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur as high holy days. They're within eight days of each other. So usually people clump them together and then they would say Pesach or Passover is the second biggest feast. Um, it's arguably, possibly the most observed, which is kind of interesting. Um, and yeah, so, but it's still a big, it's a big, it's a big mark on the calendar for the Jewish community.
0: Amazing. Well, we're going to find out a little bit more about Pesach and uh, we're going to hear some awesome songs that Mark has chosen for us tonight as well.
1: And that was the Maccabees' Akenu. You're on Joy 94.9 on the Spirit Lounge. And we've had a message in correcting me on the makers of The Prince of Egypt. It was DreamWorks. But in our defence, they did employ a lot of people from Disney. So thanks, Tim, for letting us know that it was DreamWorks, even though they did employ people who were formerly from Disney. But if you want to ask us any questions or want to join in the conversation, you can message in on 0427 JOY 949 or email us at onair at or contact us via the app if you're listening via the app.
2: Or even you can also see some of um, some of Mark's goodies, show and tell goodies on our Facebook page, Spirit Lounge JOY 949. And we'll, I'm sure we'll be hearing about some of those items later
1: We will, we will So there's a couple of photos up there just to to sort of give a bit of a visual angle on what we're talking about So we're talking about Pesach, or Passover as it's known um, Which is the Jewish festival which starts tomorrow night um, So we've talked a little bit, it's the, it's the Exodus story from the Torah, from the Bible um, Where Moses leads the, leads the Hebrews out of Egypt And on the 40 year journey across the desert to the Promised Land so the the highlight of Pesach is what's known as the Pesach Seder, and it, Seder is it actually means order, but it's, a Seder is a meal. It's a ritual meal that where all Jews are obliged under Jewish law to to perform, go through, be part of twice every Pesach. So you repeat it twice, same gig, just do it twice so at, at least,
2: like at the start or the end, or or are there specific dates that you have it.
1: You can do it, most people will usually do a first and second night, that's just that's just the practice here in Melbourne, but there's no reason why you can't do the first night and the last night and all sorts of things. Lots of community seders, depending on lots what's going on, so um, at the synagogue I belong to, there's a children's seder, which is a chocolate seder.
0: Mm. I know. You're down for that all right, Alright, we all yeah. get
1: excited. <laughs> yeah, we, well, and we'll all have to sort of go in on our knees, pretend we're children. So there's that one. There's a community Seder, which is, is always on the second night. That's tradition. But there's also a women's Seder next Thursday night for, for women being run by one of our female rabbis. So there's all sorts of different Seders. So that's the big thing about Pesach. So it's a big meal. And Pesach is really a lot about food. And a lot of the rules that make this particular festival a little bit more difficult to adhere to um, are about eating, and what you're not allowed to eat. So most people have a concept that Jews, um, under Jewish law, keep what people call keep kosher, but it's actually kasharuk. Kosher just means proper. But to keep kosher, there's some dietary regulations about what you can and can't eat together, and and certain things are are banned. For Pesach, we have a few extra items that are on the banned list. So there's a a group of um, foods known as chametz. And khamets contain one or more of five different grains, and they're all banned. Mm. So, that doesn't sound too bad until I tell you what the grains are. So, the grains are wheat, svelte, barley, oats, and rye.
0: No breakfast for you. Nope. <laughs> no breakfast for me. That's that. Anything that I'd eat for breakfast is on that list.
1: Yep. Yeah,
2: that's pretty pretty common.
1: It makes for a bit of a tough gig trying to work out what to eat. So breakfast is obviously a big one, but it's all sorts of things. It's pizza, it's beer, it's bread, it's yeah. all those things that we all love to eat perhaps a little bit too much.
2: But wine's okay.
1: Wine is okay, there's though no, well a little bit complicated, it's all the things are a little bit complicated, you need to get kosher La Pesach wine, which just means kosher for Passover, wine.
0: What? Why? What, what's, um, Why is the is other th- wine not kosher?
1: Because the kosher La Pesach foods, which wine is one of them, but even you can even get special Coca-Cola, all sorts of different crazy things, oh. means that they have been watched to make sure that no hummets mm-hmm. has accidentally, somehow, magically slipped in or been around. So it's it's a big. It's a, big to, it's a it's quite strict in terms of getting that that special stamp to say kosher of Pesach. So under Jewish law, Jews are not allowed to own any chametz during Passover. So you're not allowed to own flour or breakfast cereals or any of those sort of things.
0: Can you just like put it in shed out the back for for 8 days and then uh bring it back in?
1: Well, you can. Because Jewish law, there's always a way around the law. <laughs> it's like any any application of the law. So Jewish law, what happens is you sell your chametz to a non-Jew for, say, a dollar. Okay. So the agreement is that you you come in and you find somebody trustworthy and you say, "I'm going to sell you all my chametz for a dollar." And they say, "Yep, no worries." You give them the dollar. Your chametz is not your property anymore. So people will sometimes put it out in the back shed, or they'll um, tie cupboards shut or lock cupboards to symbolise that it's no longer their property in there. And at the end of Pesach, at the end of Passover, you will come back to me and say, I'll sell you back your chomets for a dollar. i say, thank you very much. Job done.
0: What if I want to keep your flour, though?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Your bargain. Well, yeah. That's
2: that's some pretty cheap flour.
1: It is some cheap flour. So it could lead you into a bit of trouble. But um,
2: That's why you need to trust them.
1: That's right. That's why you need to find a trustworthy person. Not me. Yeah, okay, so so that's the whole thing with chametz. And, of course, the other part of Passover, which leads into the Seder, is that there's a big thing about cleaning everything. So you're trying to get rid of this chametz, all the little crumbs that could be in all the corners. So it's a big, it's a spring clean, it's Jewish spring cleaning on a monumental scale. In autumn. In autumn in Australia, but in the northern part of the world it is spring. That's
0: true, yes.
1: Um, People will cover their bench tops. So that there's no possibility there might be some hermets will get mixed over. That's about keeping kosher. Some people actually um, would have a what's called a bachelor's kitchen, which they would only use for Passover. Um, different sets of plates, the whole kit and caboodle, out it all goes. And in comes for special Passover stuff. So it's a big to do. Wow. So you have this big thing where you're cleaning up all the chametz, cleaning everything, like you'll have your car cleaned, you do all that sort of work. And it all leads up to on the the day that Pesach starts, which is Friday, tomorrow. So last time for Orthodox Jews to eat chametz is at 10.29 in the morning. That's okay. it. Okay. And that gives you enough time just to make sure you've done that last clean and got rid of everything. And so the first thing you do before the Seder starts is you do the final little clean. And it's a bit of a symbolic thing. So in a family, somebody, one of the parents usually will have hidden a little bit of hamet somewhere in the house. The kids go around and there's a bit of a reward for finding it. And that's, that's part of the ritual. And that's how you, you sort of kick off the Seder. And the Seder sort of flows on from that, which is the ritual meal.
0: So I have a question uh, relating to that. Would you usually take the day off on the first day,
1: just um, so
0: that you can can do the the final clean and everything and be ready?
1: Some people would, yeah. yeah it just depends on. Yes, a lot of people, a lot of Jews would. Most Jews would leave work um, by three at the latest okay. before any Jewish holiday, and before even on a Friday afternoon, most Jews would leave at three o'clock, so that you're definitely home. And able to start Shabbos on time, so it's the same with the the yont of the holiday. So yeah, so some people would take it off, or they just leave home uh, leave work early to um, to be able to do that. So the Seder sort of kicks off from that last little bit of finding the last bit of chametz and burning it. Usually it's burnt because that's what you do. Kid gets a little bit of a reward. It's a bit of fun. Cool. It's all a bit of fun. So that's how you kick off the Seder. So the Seder, which is a ritual meal. A couple of points to, if you get invited to a seder, it's a bit of a tradition to invite non-Jews to seders. It's part of the tradition. Um, it's just about sharing and being part of community. So if you get an invite to a seder, there's a couple of things to remember. The first thing to remember is it goes forever. So about three hours, if you're lucky. <laughs> That's
2: nothing. Yeah. Oh, it's like... at the, the minimum.
1: Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. And if it's, a, you know, if there's a lot of singing going on, you're pumping it out a bit. The other thing is you don't get to eat until a long way in. Oh. So the trick is to eat something before you oh. go. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting there going, my stomach's making a lot of noise. This does is this- really embarrassing. So it's the the actual meal occurs at part 11.
2: Oh. Out of 15? Out of 15. Okay. Oh. So it's just Wait. talking and singing. So does this event start at at
0: five twenty-six p.m
1: depends where you're
0: going oh, okay
1: so the so commi- it
0: may not start until 7 p.m and then you're really starving yeah oh uh, wow
1: so the trick is just to to make sure you have something to eat before you take off for the seder or you're going to be really hungry and it's not going to be fun for anybody
0: well we have lots more questions coming up for mark we've been sent a text through and we'll get to that in just a minute you're on the spirit lounge on joy 94.9 mark
1: what was that song That was Dianu. It was sung by the King David School, which is one of the Jewish schools in Melbourne. Yeah. Now, just to Dianu is a traditional Passover song, and it roughly translates to um, "It would have been enough for us," which is one of the prayers that is recited as part of the the Seder. Um, So, the prayer basically says, um, "If Hashem, if God had only given us." the uh, the Shabbat the, the Sabbath that would have been enough if if Hashem had only given us the Torah that wouldn't have that would have been enough um, but Hashem has given us the promised land and so therefore we're very grateful so that's that's it in a nutshell
0: awesome well that, I thought that song was actually really
2: cute sounded pretty joyful it's joyful that's
0: I think Rex has visited us Rex, Hello, Rex Rex comes from Bent Notes on on Sundays with uh. David, and we've got that means we've got a message through. So uh, Pete has asked us: Is it appropriate to wish Jewish people a happy Passover?
1: It is absolutely so. Passover is a joyous occasion; it's a joyous festival. So it's absolutely appropriate to wish someone a happy Passover. If you wish people happy. Um, even some of the more significantly, well, the sadder festivals, it's still, it's really nice just to have it acknowledged. So yeah. most Jewish people would be pretty impressed. They might say in response, "Hug Samach," which basically translates to happy holiday, or oh, good yontif is, is, is good holiday. Um, that might be the response you might get, but it certainly would be, a lovely thing to say to, to any Jewish people that you might bump into out and about. There you go.
0: I actually have a question as well. So I, I know what the story of um, the Prince of Egypt is about, Exodus, whatever it is. Uh, you know, the, the official um, numbers and whatever. I don't, under, I don't yeah, know. It's from the book of Exodus. It's from the book of Exodus. Yeah. Is it the whole book of Exodus? Uh, or just
1: part of? The first part.
0: Okay. So... I understand um so the the actual celebration are you celebrating the fact that that the hebrews Hebrews got out of Egypt, or are you celebrate like it, celebrating that they got to the promised land'
1: no, just they got out of egypt okay it's only the exodus from Egypt that's being celebrated
2: okay, it took forty years it did to it get t- to. <laughs> The it, other
1: did. Side. it did, and in, and then and along that way we get a couple of other holidays in the Jewish calendar okay. during that 40, 40 years. So yeah, we're only celebrating the Exodus. This is just getting out of Egypt, the Hebrews going out of Egypt.
0: Excellent. And I have another question. This one's a bit uh, left of field. So in the so the parting of the Red Sea, yep. and uh, it it says that the ocean literally parted and made two walls of water so that people could cross between it here's me questioning do you think that that actually happened or is it a, a metaphor for something
1: oh it's a good question um it, well, so it depends um so if you are orthodox um or um conservative jew you would say that's absolute truth that's what happened Mm -hmm. that's the story that's that's what that's the story that god gave us in the torah yeah so uh, that's and that comes later on that's a jewish holiday that's coming up in a little while is the giving of the torah so that happens during the the exodus the exile period um from a theological perspective, so looking at from a very historical fact and looking at the the um, uh, what's the word is it etymology of the words and and the Hebrew that's used. Yeah. Um, it's read is a mistranslation. It's actually read. Okay. So and there's a, the, look you can go with all sorts of things. It could have been a tsunami. That's you know it could have happened. Yeah. We can't argue. We can't confirm or deny that. Um, a lot of people would see that as the Hebrews were probably on foot. Yeah. Um, and so the story goes that the, that Moses parts the way, and they go through. The Egyptians follow them, and it all closes over, yeah. and they get they drown. The, from a theological etymological way of looking at it, you could possibly read into it that actually it was a reed sea. It's a reed, the sea of reeds, and the Egyptians would have been on quite heavy chariots, and they basically bogged in the mud. Ah. And so that's another way to look at it now. But it's a, it's this is a, it's a question of faith. So, if you take the Torah as as wholly given by God and therefore the Word of God and therefore absolute truth, you would find that quite difficult and almost offensive to hear a, a different way of looking at it from a theological perspective. You could probably argue that it's more it's it tells a story, but it's, yeah. over time it's sort of got a little bit more. And
0: these are definitely things that that I have been questioning because, like uh, personally, I feel like if if all these people had walked through a parted sea and saw things like sea animals... Um, I don't know, this is just me going off the, the movie here, but they see the animals, like, swimming in the ocean still next to them as they're walking through, and they're like, oh, my goodness, like, we're actually walking through a sea. You would think that there maybe would be more stories about it because that's a pretty dramatic event.
1: It is a pretty dramatic event. That said, it the... The Torah tells a basically one, apart from, no, it doesn't actually, that's probably, but often these big stories are just one, there's one version of it. Look, if you want to look at it from a faith basis, it's probably arguing about um, the Hebrews had to have faith in Moses to follow him. Yes. Um, So if you know the Moses story, he's put in a basket by his mother, sent down the river Nile, found by the queen of Egypt, raised in the royal family has a wayward adolescence goes off kills a person gets into lots of trouble then comes back and becomes the leader of the hebrews again his own people if you like so he's to to trust in doing that is is quite a i think that's what possibly the story is getting towards in terms of a more of a belief sort of way of looking at it so that's that sort of captures that exodus story if you like
0: well we actually got another message through whilst you were uh, speaking just then, so this is going to put you on your toes. Uh, this message is from Graham, and he said, "Have you mentioned the orange on the progressive C- Seder plate?"
1: No, I haven't, no. but we'll get there because I'm just about to move into the Seder plate because I think that's a, and that's a great it's a great question and it's a really important question for our community and for 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 a progressive community. And so we've
2: got a, we've got a photo of that on our Facebook page, I think.
1: We do But we I do.
2: don't see the orange
1: No you won't see the orange So the, the, the picture is of a traditional Seder plate um, So I'll talk about what's on the traditional Seder plate And what's on the traditional Seder table Because it's sort of, this will link back into if you, th- if you listen to when we talked about Easter And how things at Easter had to be certain ways To match the story You'll start to get the connection So Seder table is a normal Jewish festival table But has a couple of extra items One is the Seder plate which you'll see on our Facebook page The other is a cup of wine for the prophet Elijah Um, so this is links back into your Easter story about uh, under Jewish law the messianic age or the coming of the Messiah it's different ways of interpreting that um, will be Elijah will proceed that Elijah will announce that that's about to happen so Pesach um, there is a cup put aside for Elijah and later on we open the front door to allow the prophet Elijah to enter if the Messianic Age is about to come upon us. So there's a big cup. So you have a cup. Usually it's quite a big cup to be symbolic, and it's full of wine, Mm -hmm. and that's for the prophet Elijah. There's a Seder plate, which you'll see on our Facebook page. It has six places to put things. Um, So, and I'll go through what's in there. So uh, Zorah, which is either a lamb shank or a roasted chicken bone or something Mm -hmm. similar like that. You don't get to eat it. That's just there for. um, Usually you remove most of the meat and it's just there. Uh, Batizar, which is a a hard boiled egg. Maror, which is grated horseradish. Tastes disgusting. It's really bitter.
2: Mm, But you don't eat it?
1: Ah, you do eat that one.
2: Oh, so Yeah, you you do (coughs) eat that.
1: Uh, So, characet, which is a paste made of apples and pears and nuts and wine. Sometimes matzah is ground up to sort of give it a bit of um hold it together Uh, carapace which is a vegetable such as potato or onion um or a green vegetable if you like you can all sorts of things are used for that and chazet which is more bitter herbs sometimes it's um it will be slithers rather than grated or a a different bit of herb so that's what's on the table on the set plate In the progressive and um, certainly definitely in the progressive, but also in, I would say, the Masorti and possibly even some of the more liberal orthodox um, communities, you'll put an orange on the table, which is to include all the people that maybe uh, are not captured in the normal thinking about, well, who's part of community and and it's to to touch base with those sort of... um, People that may not be included in the text, so certainly women, but also the LGBTI community is another one that's often. Um, uh, one of our rabbis likes to put two oranges on the on the table, one for feminist women's stuff, and one for the LGBTI community. It just varies, but it's it's certainly something that I'll uh, that m- most of the satyrs in the progressive community will definitely have at least one orange. So that's what the orange is about.
2: Wow. That's pretty cool. We're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9 where we're learning about Passover or Pesach, which begins tomorrow. And that was When You Believe from the movie The Prince of Egypt, sung by Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. So a real um, double the lungs for, for tonight. Those voices. Wow. Now, um, I haven't seen the Prince of Egypt, but I've been told that that song was sung by the characters of Zephora and Miriam, the um, wife, uh, wife, and, wife sister. and sister, wife and sister of Moses. And I, I'm aware that um, I've wondered about this. That they in the in the church at Easter, we start off by hearing some of the stories from the Exodus. And there is, in fact, a song that Miriam sang, which is recorded in the Book of Exodus, which we read in church as well. And it's basically following the the um, parting of the seas when the waters come back and the Egyptians drown in their chari- chariots. And the gist of, of the song, to me, sounds like "Hooray, the, the Egyptians have died!" <laughs> and I've never really felt comfortable with that. And I wonder whether it's used in that context in the Passover service.
1: Oh, it certainly it wouldn't. It's, it's, uh, it's read uh, on Shabbat over Passover. Like, that's the reading of the, of the, the portion of the week. Um, but in terms of looking at um, how... What happens to the Egyptians is captured in the Seder. So, there's the Ten Plagues, um, which is part of the, the Passover story. So... Um, Vermin, frogs, blood, cattle disease, boils, wild animals, darkness, locusts, hail, and the death of the firstborn son. Ten plagues—they're pretty horrific. So, in the Seder, um, there's there's a section called the Megid. Which is the telling or the learning of the story, um, and so as the ten plagues are read out, and you know, usually it's a bit of fun because it helps with the kids. So, you is this know, where
2: the youngest, the youngest child, arts?
1: No, that, that's that's another part of the uh, story. So you're, but no, this is the part where you, you know, if you go where I go, our rabbi, she likes to get really excited at these stages, so she'll have a whole heap of frogs that she'll throw into the crowd. Not um, real frogs. Not real frogs. Chocolate no. frogs. Um, no, not chocolate frogs. They're just plastic frogs. Because maybe getting chocolate kosher lapaysock frogs is a little bit complicated. I don't know, um, but yeah. So, so, it, but what, when that's read out for each time there's a plague, the the process is that you spill a little bit of your wine onto the plate, and that's to remind us that the Egyptians suffered, and so therefore we can't be happy because someone's suffering. So it's that connection that. Mm. Even though, it, oh, so it, they
0: make you waste your wine. They make you waste your so wine, so that you're sad. Yep. Wow. That's right. Oh, that's a, it's thinking. actually a really good. Um, um, I was thinking, is it red wine? Thing? Is it
2: red wine? Usually, like blood.
1: Yeah, red, it? uh, it's usually red wine, um, just because it's usually what we call Kaddish wine, which is just it's sweet wine, sweet, sweet for Shabbat. That's what. That's why it's sweet. So there, there is fifteen parts of the. Seder. And I'm going to go through them really quickly. This is the quickest you'll ever, ever hear a Seder done. So let's see how we go. So the first thing is the Kaddish, which just means to sanctify, to make holy. There's a few blessings. We have some wine. That's the first cup of wine drunk, number one. <laughs> Followed by what's called Keratz, which just means to uh, cleanse or wash. So I don't know how much Jewish people always wash before meals. And there's a blessing said When you go to the Passover Seder, you don't say the blessing. You just wash your hands. So three pours of water on one hand, three pours of water on the other hand, and that's that done. Then we start off with um, carapace, which is the entree. So that's um, some bit of herbs. Oh, no, actually, sorry, I tell them that's slightly incorrect. It's not bit of herbs. It's green vegetable dipped in salt water to remind us of the tears of our ancestors when they were slaves in Egypt. Oh, wow. So that's that bit. Uh, then there's the break, um, your huts, which is the breaking of the matzah. So on this table, you will see there are three pieces of matzah, which is the unleavened bread cooked yes. in 18 minutes so it doesn't rise. Tastes a bit, looks a little bit like, I don't know, a bit of brown sayos. cardboard. a Sayos this thing or a bit of brown cardboard with holes in it. It's the only carbs you can eat during Passover. So there's three sli- uh there's four of the, four, three Um, And one is broken, half of it is hidden, and that's used later on in the service. That's what happens then. Then we get to the Megid part, which is the telling of the story of the Exodus. Ten plagues, dripping of wine, you know, goes on for a little bit, usually a bit of fun, um, depending on what happens. Then we do the Ratzah, which is actually ritual washing. So you wash your hands, say the blessings, ready to eat. But you don't get to eat then. (laughs) Uh, Well, you do, but you don't. So then we have the eating of the matzah. So it's the eating of the bitter herbs to remind us of the bitterness. Um, you make a little matzah sandwich. So get two bits of matzah, put some bitter herbs in the middle, eat that, so do a bit of that, and that's um, in the middle there. Then we do the mozzi, which is some – oh, no, we've done that. So then we do uh, mara, which is the bitter herbs again. To, rem... It's all about reminding us of the bitterness of being enslaved and the – it's, it's about getting you ready to be grateful that, you know, as a group, the Hebrews were saved out of Egypt and freed from slavery. So that's that. Uh, so then we do the wrap uh, korech, um, which is the wrapping of bitter herbs between the two bits of matzah in a sandwich. Um, sometimes you might use some of the more sweet stuff to sort of make it into a bit of a sandwich. You eat that. Haven't eaten the main meal yet, though, so this is all you've had. That's why you have a veal, you have a little bit of something to eat before you go. And then finally, at part 11, we get to actually eating the festival meal, which is a a traditional sort of festival meal. No carbs. Just remember that. So there's no carbs. There's no bread. There's no cake. Well, there is cakes, but they're made out of um, matzo. You can grind down into like a flour and Ah. use that to make cakes. Or potato flour. uh, Almond meal? Almond meal is another one. So there's all these creative wet recipes that people will come out with at Pesach. So you have your, 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 your meal. It's not over yet, kids. We've still got a few bits to, to do at the end. So then there's saffron, which is, remember that piece of matzah that we hid earlier on yes. in the night? We broke off a bit. We went and hit it. The kids get to run around and try and find it. It's a bit of fun. It wakes them up again, gets them going, burns off a bit of energy. Great idea.
0: What if there's no kids?
1: If there's no kids, the adults will do it. Awesome. Uh, get your Maya's elbows out to push your way in to find that, <laughs> bit of, uh, that bit of matzah. There's a bit of a prize. There's a bit of fun. You put some sweet stuff on it to, and have it as a, basically like a dessert. So there you go. Then uh, we, do, uh, we do a bracha, which is a blessing, some more blessings. Um, then the one of the halal or some of the halal or all of the halal, if you're being really super observant, psalms will be sung. That could take some while. And then finally, there's this uh, the very final. It was called the Nitzra, which is basically it's a st- it's basically a legal statement, which basically says um, the seder has been conducted under Jewish according to the customs of Jewish law halacha, and therefore is good and proper. And we've done it to the best of our ability. And the final thing that and you, that is you said at Pesach is this final little. A saying or blessing which is Le shahar, um, habara berushalayim, next year in Jerusalem um, and that goes back to if you look at the the Easter story about what is Jesus doing in Jerusalem because if, if you think about where he was preaching he's not actually in Jerusalem he's, he's certainly up in the Galilee area that's part of the reason why next year in Jerusalem you could probably argue as an observant Jew, he was going to Jerusalem for Pesach, which is an obligation on adult Jews if they can do so in their life. There's the Seder. That's the quickest Seder you will ever hear on the planet. I
2: think we made history today.
1: We probably have made history. There is lots and lots of parts to it, and it goes into lots of granular details, which we won't have time to go into tonight.
0: That's exciting. So we've got some awesome things to tell you about next week. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy
2: 94.9. So we've learned about a lot about Pesach and we've had the fastest ever explanation of the Passover, of the Passover Seder. So for, for those of us, for those of you who are fortunate enough to enjoy the 15 part meal, that will take you at least three hours to have the full experience. So um, We might see a See a larger mark in the in the next week. Well, you, well, well. Actually, there's not much. It's it's a, it's not 15 courses. It it's 15 parts, parts and yes. only only a regular feast.
1: A regular, a regular feast, feast in the middle. Yeah, but do remember to eat before you go.
2: So we will be back next week. And this Monday, the ABC program Q and A is once again looking at religion. So there's going to be our Bet Noir, the Australian Christian Lobby, will be coming up against a progressive christian voice on monday's q and a so t- tune in for that and we will have tiffany sparks from progressive christians on the spirit lounge next week and that's good night from myself claudine good night from rachel
1: and good night for mark and coming up tonight we have in the woods with the bears but before we go to in the woods with the bears we're going to have one last song it's from a band called uh, 613 it's uptown passover it's a smash-up of uptown funk which was the same smash-up that we used for our um purim spiel that we did a bit of a show on a little while ago so, so you've been on the spirit lounge and enjoy
2: thanks for listening to another joy podcast brought to you by australia's lgbtqia plus community media organization joy